everyone. So today I have uh, the great pleasure to discuss with uh, Sterling Hall, who is um, an HR business partner and um, also is HR analytics specialist. And uh, he's passionate about people and excited about people analytics. And he will discuss more about um, how to get into an HR career and um, where HR is standing now and where it could be in the future. So all about more details about like the technology and data analysis and basically like um, HR in general. So how are you Sterling? Hi Simona, it's nice to be here. Um, I'm fine, thank you. I'm doing well. The weather's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I went out uh, a bit. It's, it's sunny, it's great weather. Yeah, definitely. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just... Um, I've seen... Um, your profile. I remember when uh, we met at uh, in London at the at the CIPD meeting. So yeah. um, I was just starting then to study HR, and I wanted to get more like practical advice from uh, HR professionals. So that's why I went in there, and I was the only student to be there. <laughs> but it was great. Like I felt like very like good in the groups and when we were discussing everything so i was learning a lot from from everyone yeah and you know it's really important uh to do that you know um, for any uh student that um sort of wants to get into hr um it's uh, approaching people asking for their advice and learning from other people definitely because in at university we learn about theory but uh, practical, it's it's better to always learn, and it's changing so much. Like the HR, it used to be something in was more like administrative routine, but then it it's good that it's changing, and it will be even more changing towards like data analysis and technology. So I see you have um, you've done training in HR analytics. And uh, you have certifications as well, so I'm sure you know so much information. You can share a, a few tips with us. Yeah, um, so I just want to go back a little bit. Um, for me, um, I started my career in the military, so I was in the uh, British Army. And um, I started off as a HR specialist with be your sort of equivalent to a HR administrator. We went to my way up to HR manager and decided I wanted to change. Um, I struggled to get into HR um, initially because um, it was understanding my experience that I had in the military. Um, and in hindsight, now, um, now that I understand um, sort of HR more, and um, I've had a bit more experience. I actually had um, a lot of experience in HR and um, even uh, people analytics from a um, basic point of view. So um, that's where I sort of started. Uh, I did my uh, level five CIPD, so I would always recommend uh, anyone to understand the theory behind what you're going into. Um, you know, uh, like you sort of mentioned earlier, you've uh, done a um, uh, master's in HR and you've been involved with uh, CIPD branches. So I guess networking with CIPD professionals is key. Um, understanding what you go into is key. So uh, doing a qualification, whether that be a level three, level five, level seven, or even e-learning, because um, the way people are learning now a lot of the time is through uh, things like YouTube, LinkedIn, etc. There's a lot of free um, LinkedIn courses as well um, on LinkedIn. And also getting a mentor too, because um, when I first um, started out, as I was leaving the army, um, I um, was sort of unofficially mentored by the chair of the Birmingham branch. Um, I would ask him for advice. He, he would give me his... Um, advice, etc. Um, and it really helped me with um, where I go from there and made me understand HR a lot more. So that was pretty key. Um, 
from a people analytics standpoint, uh, when I was in the military, I did a lot on um, HR systems. So that's the basic thing. So understanding um, the HR systems. So uh, some people call them HRIS. So HR information systems is the basic thing. You know, that's where your data is. You know, that's going to be um, the bulk of your work. Maintaining that, administrating that as well. So doing a lot of data cleansing. That's something I did previously. Uh, you know, that's a part of people analytics. A lot of people um, would say that isn't. That's just administrating. Um, you know, HR system, but no, it's a part of people analytics because you need the right data um, in the system and it needs to be accurate. Otherwise, your analytics is going to be completely off. So um, I did a bit on that uh, reporting too. So I did a lot of reports, even just um, reporting through the system onto an Excel spreadsheet. You know, that's analytics. So HR reporting is a part of HR analytics. Um, because you know you can't um, do analytics without reporting on uh, various systems to combine your data together to inform decision making. So um, sometimes you'll have um, three or four different systems. I'll get into that in a sec, um, and you'll need to report from all of them and combine it into uh, essentially a data warehouse, really, where all your data is stored, and then from there, you know, you can do a bit of visualization in it and um, create your nice little dashboards. But I'll get into that in a sec. So um, that's me um, sort of starting way back. And then when um, I left the army, I got my first role. Uh, this is where I really discovered people analytics and what the power of data can do. Uh, and that was when I joined AT&T, um, a global conglomerate um, American telecommunications company. So they are massive on big data. Um, you know, a lot of these big American corporations are. So, you know, Google, Facebook, etc. You know, they're, they're huge on it. So I got to play with a lot of, um, you know, cool tools, really. <laughs> um, I was a part of a strategic HR business partner team. Um, it was an international role, so um, I'd work in sort of a shared service center, and um, I would um, work with the business partners on um, uh, HR sort of data reporting and um, HR analysis, and work with uh, the analytics teams and the HR data teams um, to support on various projects. So essentially, I was like. Um, a HR data analyst. Um, you could, you could say, um, uh, maybe a people analytics specialist. Um, but my job title at the time was an international HR project manager. Um, but I was uh, working on various projects, and one uh, interesting project was um, attrition analysis. Um, Anyone in people analytics knows that sometimes uh, you have a lot of meetings and a lot of debates on how best to measure data. And um, I was working with um, the HR team in uh, India, and we were working on how do we define voluntary um, voluntary um, attrition. So. Um, you know, it's a case of you know, if someone's contract ends, is that voluntary or is that involuntary? If someone dies, is that voluntary or involuntary? You know, and it can have a massive impact. You know, um, it can really affect um, some senior leaders' figures in terms of their turnover because um, uh, in quite large corporations and you know. Um, well-established companies, uh, you get held to account on what your turnover is, what your absence is, um, you know, what your uh, P&L is looking like. Um, because turnover, um, in turn, affects um, uh, the, you know, um, the profits that you make, uh, your productivity, um, the customer service, 
etc. Your operations. So it's a very um, a very big hot hot topic, and it still is in the HR world today, um, especially with uh, this pandemic and um, a lot of uh, redundancies happening at the moment, and um, you know a lot of people feeling uh, very uh, unstable. So um, that project was um, fairly interesting. Um, meetings upon meetings, um, uh, analysis after analysis, um, working a lot with Excel. Um, and I had um, eight different systems that I could report from also. Um, so one of those systems was a, a talent neuron tool. So with this tool, we could see what the talent was like in a specific country. Um, because a lot of big corporations, they'll pay uh, other you know, companies uh, within uh, specific sectors or countries to uh, use some of their data, to have access to some of that data. It's fairly smart, actually. So if you want to understand what the talent pool is, uh, like, for example, uh, I'll give a real example, because I worked on a marketplace research project um, in Slovakia for um, call center agents. If you want to know what talent that is um, there, then um, you would have to get um, data from Vodafone, from uh, Orange, um, you know, from um, Siemens. So various different um, call center um, sort of companies um, in various different sectors. Uh, to understand what the talent pool is like. Um, so with that project, uh, we worked on understanding what the hiring difficulty was for certain roles. So we had access to recruitment data from various different companies. Um, what were the most used languages in certain roles? So, you know, what was the demand in um, multilingual uh, employees? What was the gender ratio? You know, it was there a demand more on female employees or male employees? Um, and what was, um, uh, you know, the, the education status of all candidates and employees? You know, uh, did most of them have degrees? Did most of them go to state school? And also, um, what graduates are actually graduating uh, this year? You know, um, so you could get. Um, that information from interns um, and also uh, with data from um, local universities because uh, I believe um, uh, the company I was with they had access uh, to the local universities um, data uh, with obviously a uh, agreement uh, to use that data in the right way and I think that's the key thing as well uh, with people analytics using data in the right way you know, making sure you're legally compliant, you're doing the right thing, and you're using it for the right reasons. So, um, you know, with that role, that was my first insight. Um, there was a lot of data crunching. Uh, I saw one senior BP save the business two million US dollars um, just by converting uh, contractors um, in Israel. So that was a, a very interesting uh, project to see unfold. Um, and of course, you know, this marketplace research project was really interesting from a talent management point of view. So um, that was my first insight. And I have been um, uh, interested and excited ever since. I did my dissertation on people analytics for my level seven, which is very insightful. Uh, and I completed that uh, last year. Yeah, I completed that last year, um, so that was great. Um, and from uh, that role, I moved into uh, working for a local uh, train company. And in that company, um, I worked on a system called Power BI. So Microsoft Power BI is a visualization tool. Um, and with these visualization tools, uh, unfortunately, they're not great with reporting, but, you know, they make things look really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So um, with with those tools, you need to understand what they're good for, you know. And with uh, people analytics tools, um, you know, you need to understand, um, you know, what 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 tools good for doing what and what tools bad for doing what. Uh, so obviously, Power BI is not great for reporting. Tableau, again, another great tool that's widely used. Um, good for visualization, dashboarding, but not good for reporting. Uh, Visor is a really good uh, people analytics uh, tool that people use, a really good all-rounder. So um, I would say, uh, again, uh, from my previous point, uh, education is pretty key. When I did my dissertation on people analytics, I really understood what the value of people analytics um, could be. And um, I um, just seen uh, practically what uh, the value of people analytics could be. Um, so um, going back to my career, um, from there, um, I sort of became a HR generalist, um, HRBP, and I've always tried to use um, some form of people analytics um, within all my generalist roles. Um, you know, and that's pretty key. I mean, HR is known uh, for being afraid of numbers, uh, being afraid of technology. Um, yeah, but I think in the future that's that it has to change because I've seen some uh, study from LinkedIn, and they were saying that only like eighteen percent of HR professionals they they feel like they have like skills in analytics. So I think it it has to be like um, very much to change this because it's all about technology and data and. We can't just keep making like decisions maybe based on like intuition or I'm talking from the recruitment part, you know, when um, when people are trying to attract more talent or how how they hire because it was uh, another um, some a survey by like BBC Radio where they send like identical CVs but with different names and they found out that uh, like. For example, like white people names, they have more chances to be invited. They were invited to more interviews, in, and uh, like black people and Muslim people, they they were like less likely. They got less invitations. So I think like analytics and data in general could prevent so many problems and like so many like recruitment biases or and it's more like clear, more transparent. So that's why it's a great way to see that you are using and everything like analytics and you are focusing to on uh, data to make decisions and even in like um, talent uh, like uh, training and talent management so, yeah yeah mm-hmm. definitely I mean I, I um, actually read the, about the same project uh, you mentioned and yeah um, it's amazing what uh, people analytics can do and that's um understanding correlations um, and the cause and effect um, so it's see analytics um, can add value but it matters what you do with it because um, if you just um, create a dashboard with some HR metrics that's great you know you're informing you know the uh, business but what do you do with it afterwards you know um, do we need to change our induction program? Do we need to change our recruitment processes? You know, um, do we need to um, invest our money in a different talent management strategy? So it's really the action afterwards that's pretty key. And um, I think it, it comes down to education again, why HR uh, don't always use data in um, their day-to-day roles. Um, and I mean, with me, um, to be honest, uh, you know, sometimes I do find some of the people analytics um, uh, training and um, work, uh, it can be a bit overwhelming uh, because you're not used to just working with numbers and trying to um, do, do statistical tests and trying to uh, do all these formulas in Excel. 
but as long as you're willing to learn, uh, similar to, you know, getting into HR, and as long as you're willing to try and not give up, uh, you'll understand a lot more. And uh, I think I think for me, um, currently, uh, where HR is, is at a crossroads. Um, it's either HR embraces uh, people analytics and what the future may hold, you know, with AI, robotics, for example, or um, they get left behind. And because of the way the world is right now with technology evolving faster than um, organizations can uh, keep up with um, at a rapid rate, um, you can't afford to be too far behind. And the way market value is measured now on companies, uh, a lot of it's down to intangible assets. One of the biggest costs is um, people. You know, so uh, understanding um, your people is very key now. And um, a lot of the times, uh, it's not enough to go of intuition or what the HR rule box says or, you know, uh, a process, a policy. Um, you have to do some deeper analysis in that, you know. Um, and that goes to more uh, predicting turnover, predicting sickness, you know. Um, a lot of HR are stuck at sort of like the level one, level two, you know, HR reporting, uh, HR metrics, you know, if, if you're um, lucky and you've got access to data, and um, uh, HR dashboards, and then uh, you've got the um, HR analysis, you know, that's like sort of level one, level two, and then um, sort of level three would be more descriptive analytics and understanding what things means, um, mm. and then and you know um, how do we um, what's the cause and how do we um, solve it um, so uh, at the same time you know I, I don't particularly blame HR too because you need to have the systems and the processes in place otherwise it's not going to work um, at all I mean I've been in roles as a HR journalist where I wanted to use a bit more data and I wanted to uh, you know, report a bit more, but uh, I've been shut down because I haven't been able to get access to that data uh, because I wasn't classed as a HR data analyst um, and we didn't have the same processes in place um, in terms of like uh, collation of data because sometimes the data is not even there. And um, oh, it's like I didn't. Yeah, I mean, or it's in like a few different like systems. Yeah. Because sometimes when we, if we want to like correlate, like maybe employee engagement with performance or, or the applicant tracking system with like demographics or something else, it's not in the same place. So we have to combine, but in finding all this data, where it is and combine and then get some insights. So that's yeah, what exactly. you were referring to, like data mining and data analysis. So that's the, the other level, I think of the analytics yeah yeah exactly i mean um it's um it's an ongoing thing and you know this isn't new you know this has been happening for years um mm. people analytics um you know sort of has peaks and troughs um in the 1980s and 1990s uh it was sort of a big thing but then it you know uh went through a period of no one really caring about it and uh, only now uh, people are starting to really care about it because we've got so much data out there now and like I said um, a lot of businesses uh, are now sort of measured on those intangible assets you know uh, intangible assets could be um, uh, not what's on the balance sheet you know what is our engagement like? What's our well-being like? You know, Brexit. Um, you know, what's our um, workforce costs? What's our recruitment costs? It's all the things that aren't on the balance sheet uh, that need to be measured. You know, you could be making money, but in a year or two's time, you know, you could lose all of that. 
and be at. You know, we've seen a we've seen a lot of businesses um, that have made money, but I've had to make a lot of reductions due to this pandemic because they haven't been controlling their intangible assets. So it's important to have insight, and I think um, I think um, it's going to come to a point fairly soon uh, with the way data uh, technology. Um, and the way businesses operate, but HR are going to need to have these key skills. The key skills, you know, will be around data analysis. You know, that that's a given, and um, storytelling, uh, visualization. You know, um, understanding how to tell the story with the data, um, learning how to visualize it on a dashboard, and learning how to use the tools, and learning how to analyze that data. Know, um, and how to um, not only use what data's in front of you, but um, combine that data. You know, like, like for example, when I was at Sangyaban, I would work closely with finance because, as you know, any HR professional knows, um, when you're reporting on headcount, which is a very simple report, and you know, most businesses actually report on headcount. Um, finance sometimes question the numbers because finance maybe will count a part-time um, employee as 0.5 for example now I, I don't I don't believe in people being half on a <laughs> yeah. finance sheet but you know uh, different departments do things differently um, I would count it as a one from a HR point of view but that's a very simple um, a uh, simple sort of issue that can arise from um, headcount. So you need to draw your data and also uh, collaborate with different parts of the business um, to uh, get the bigger picture and make sure your numbers are right. Um, uh, what I see for the future as well is, um, you know, there's a great thing that's happening in the US. Uh, the US historically have you know, been, there have been years ahead of us in terms of the HR model, um, in terms of um, yeah, people analytics, and they're doing some great work out there. Um, they're very much um, at the forefront of the HR and the people profession. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Dave Ulrich. Um, I've talked to him a couple of times on LinkedIn, very approachable guy. I've uh, been on quite a few of his webinars, and he actually recommended um, last week. Yeah, last week he recommended his uh, new book to me, and uh, you know I would definitely recommend uh, anyone uh, reading one of Dave Orwick's book. Uh, he's a very much great thought leader in the HR profession. He created the HR business uh, partner model uh, some years ago, um, and he's very um, good at analysing the future. Uh, so I, I definitely recommend getting one of his books if um, if that's uh, definitely something um, you're interested in, in learning what 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 does the future mean uh, for um, HR and the profession? Um, it's great, and um, for people analytics point of view, he's great too. You know, he's got some books around that. Uh, but I lean to John Burson. Um, he works for Deloitte. Uh, which is a big management consultancy company. Um, again, great thought leader in um, HR and people analytics uh, mainly. Um, and his webinars are on YouTube as well. He's great. Um, he's very interesting stuff. And one of the things I wanted to uh, sort of touch upon uh, was organizational network analysis. So essentially what it is in a nutshell is... Um, understanding who's communicating the most with each other in your organization you know what is their network for example um, does um, a manager in the call center uh, communicate mainly with um, his um, supervisors um, as opposed to his employees you know th does there need to be an intervention there um, or you know, does uh, a manager in IT communicate a lot with uh, finance, for example? You know, what what are these relationships, and you know, how big 
um, are these networks and how can we make these interventions to add value to uh, these people's working lives? Um, very exciting. Um, it's a new sort of uh, analysis that's came out and it's gaining a bit of traction in the US. So that's um, a great um, new people analytics um, analysis um, that's going to be for the future. And I think the future for the profession is definitely people analytics. It, it just can't be held off anymore. I mean, you got away with it in the 90s because, you know, internet was fairly new and, um, you know, a lot of the systems weren't as, you know, sophisticated as they were today. But um, now, even from COVID-19, what we're seeing is people are having to transform their organizations. Uh, people have had to work from home. Uh, organizations have had to let employees work from home. Some organizations have never even um, given employees laptops when they could have had laptops because it's easier and it's cheaper. But now, um, you know, organizations have uh, had their hand forced due to the coronavirus. So people have had to work outside of the office now. Uh, this has um, impacted the public sector quite a lot because, as we know, the public sector um, historically has been underfunded and they don't have the same sort of systems as the private sector also um, in time uh, at times. So um, this has forced them to transform um, and to change their way of working. Some people have never even had a mobile phone, a work phone, you know. Uh, so it's really challenged a lot of organizations, and I think these challenges are going to go uh, even further into the future. And it's not going to be people analytics anymore. It's going to be workforce analytics. And um, quite interestingly, uh, I read a book about the, it's called The Power of People, and it's by um, Jonathan Farrar and um, Sherry Fenzig um, and Nigel... Um, Gunnal, uh, great people in the people analytics profession, very interesting insights in that. And he argues that um, people analytics is actually um, quite a small part of analytics. Um, as things progress, we're going to start working with machines. Um, so to encompass all of that, he argues that we should label in it workforce analytics because it's had um, various different names in the past. You've had HR analytics, talent analytics, um, you know, and we've also got people analytics. So it's had so many different names, really. Um, but workforce analytics is definitely the future, you know, working with robots, working with chatbots, you know, working with, um, art, you know, artificial intelligence. And people, you know, uh, people's at the heart of it. So I think you, you're going to see a shift from um, HR being um, policy, uh, administration, employment law to being, you know, I need value. What value can you give me? Um, I need the numbers because I need to know more fact and evidence-based decisions uh, because we can't afford to get things wrong now. It can cost you your entire business if there's another pandemic, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Definitely. and um, I've seen like suggesting from the academy to innovate in like HR analytics. They were saying that if businesses like spend like for example one pound on analytics, they get in return like thirteen pounds for example. So it's like they invest a little in analytics and they get so much more, like thirteen times more. They found this analysis and. I think, do you think that more like multinationals or like bigger companies, they, they tend to invest more in analytics or like smaller companies too? They can, because it's definitely it's beneficial to, to know more about what's happening and about uh, the people. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, you do see it in a lot of bigger companies um, in terms of the investments. Um, doesn't mean they all get it right. <laughs> No. For example, yeah. as with um, a large um, 
construction company, global, massive company. But uh, the analytics team wasn't quite right there because uh, you need an analytics culture first before you can um, start showing that value. Um, the manager of the analytics team, for example, he was um, uh, he was essentially um, he had two another two roles. So he was analytics manager, he was a reward manager, he was the mobility manager, and you know you can't be all those things to all different people. Um, but he only had two people in his team, and it was uh, quite a struggle for him, really. Uh, because no one wanted to know what the data was um, showing. Uh, I even did an analytics project on uh, turnover um, and how if we introduced a induction program for our warehouse workers within a Pacific distribution center, um, we would uh, save the business 146000 in two years. You know, because our turnover within six months was so high um, that we, uh, from my analysis, um, that I uh, sort of discovered from that, that most people were leaving because of the job. Um, and it was because they didn't have an induction into what they were supposed to be doing for their job. Um, so I think it's amazing what you can find out um, and induction is so important especially these days especially when you're inducting people virtually now you know we're seeing how important that is now because you can't just go in an office now and um, just leave someone there to get on with it you need to tell them what to do because they're not in the office you know mm -hmm. so it's different uh, insights that you can gather but yeah uh, that that project didn't didn't go off at all. Uh, I was asked for my uh, recommendation report as I left, and I gave it to them, and uh, I'm assuming nothing's happened with it. I mean, that's the main thing, isn't it? Uh, you're not always going to get analytics project um, uh, off, uh, you know, and you're not always going to, it's not always going to be successful. So it's always, um, you know, having a hypothesis, uh, trying to answer a business question, Understanding a question first is key. You know, what question are we trying to answer? You know, and um, you know if it works, it works. If it doesn't, um, don't give up and give it another go. Um, but yeah, some some large organisations do have uh, the capital to pump the money into it. They've got the systems, the processes in place. Um, you know, AT and T is one of them. They've got a fairly strong. Um, workforce analytics team uh, you know that I um, had a few um, uh, meetings with you know because they have the collateral for that but we're going to see going forward um, more people analytics in smaller businesses I mean you don't have to have a massive budget you know you don't have to have a data scientist um, all the time you know it can be as simple as um, just having a HR data analyst, you know, just having one HR data analyst analyzing business problems and you've got the HR business partner there uh, to influence and to um, provide that change, implement that change, you know, and, ma and support managing that project. Um, some businesses do operate that way, but they don't get it right every time. And I think that comes down to um, education. Well, I think in the future we're going to see a lot more traction, um, and, and you know I, I asked Dave Orr this question um, last week on uh, one of the webinars that I was on with him and a few others, and um, you know he said that he believes uh, it's going to be uh, more important um, in the future, uh, people analytics, and it won't lose its traction because of um, how things are growing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just going to be, um, I think it's going to be um, definitely an uphill battle from a HR point of view because uh, you're going to have a lot of businesses that don't understand what people analytics is. And, again, this comes down to education, simplifying things for managers so they understand what it all means, uh, not going in there and telling them about all these statistical tests you've done, what you've analysed, just 
you know, getting down to the point, you know, this is the issue. Uh, this is how much it's costing you. This is how we fix it. And this is how much you can save. Um, yeah. So we're going to we're gonna see very different HR roles in the future. And we're starting to see that now. For example, uh, some companies like Tesco, they have employee experience um, advisors, you know, employee experience managers. That's very different to um, what we've been used to. So there's going to be a lot of different new job titles coming out, uh, which is going to be fairly interesting. Uh, for example, we have uh, people analytics uh, business partners. You know, they're not people analytics consultants. They operate in a different way to manage change and to manage projects. How a business partner would, however, they have that analytics experience, so they understand. Uh, the numbers. So it's very important for HR to be aligned with the business and what they're wanting to achieve and to be aligned to what the data is telling them and to not give up and uh, try to keep adding value, try to, uh, you know, uh, do value creation, you know, try and be proactive, um, try and make those interventions stick and um, the future uh, will be ours. <laughs> Definitely. I, I feel lucky that I did so much like I did a lot of statistics while I was studying psychology so I was doing like a lot of correlations data analysis or looking for like patterns in the data so I felt that helped me to to understand better like in when I was doing the the HR course I did the dissertation but uh, those like three years of statistics they, they really helped me so it's getting more like I'm passionate about data analytics too and the whole data analysis and my preference was like um, quantitative analysis so it's more about numbers I was using SPSS but that's for like social sciences statistics and yeah yeah um, so a lot of people in people analytics do come from um, a statistics uh, background um, or mathematical background and you're quite right SPSS is a good tool that's normally used and then you have Python as well and then you've got Java there's so many different tools out there and systems that people use for people analytics but you know uh, you can be a statistician and still not know how to present your numbers I think the key thing is to link it all together so not only do your stats, but to, to um, present them as a, a story. So, you know, this is the start of what's happening. Um, you know, here's the story, um, here's the cause, uh, the effect, and here's the solution. So it's really linking it all in one package, really. Otherwise, um, you have people siloed, you know. Uh, you can bash out numbers every day but if you don't pay closer attention to what they mean for you and the business, then you sort of um, lose that broader understanding. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Storytelling, it's important in everything, either in HR or marketing or anything. Like I think in business, it's all about storytelling. And even customers, they get attracted to, to the storytelling of a brand or so that's a very important skill to have. And I I really like this, like how it, it's going. And I think like HR people, they, they focus more on employee well-being. And one of the parts of the analytics, it's engagement. And I really like the idea of like daily surveys instead of doing like, I don't know, like every six months or so something to to analyze the engagement of the employees. Uh, have you like found in any like companies like they do daily surveys? Yeah, um, I mean engagement surveys. You know, it's it's an old way of um, you know sort of um, uh, surveying how their um, workforce are feeling. Um, it's been done, you know, it's been, it's been done to death for a lot of years, you know, um, and. Um, the engagement survey is good, you know, it is like a metric, 
you know, and it is analysis, you know, it, you know, it's part of people analytics in terms of the data you use can be useful, but it doesn't give you the complete story. You know, uh, if I filled out a survey, if I was had a bad day, it'd be very different, you know, till me filling out a survey when I'm in a good mood, you know, people can change and that's why, um, there needs to be a, a thing called a triangulation. So you get data from different sources, combine that data, and then um, you can do these um, various uh, statistical tests or correlation analysis um, to really understand what this all means and uh, how we can add value. Yeah, it's all the correlation and the I, I like to write, uh, I was doing something like my dissertation was about employee engagement and performance and also about like finding their meaning if they found if their career is right for them or how they feel about it. So I mainly talked about like the retail sector because it's it has quite a high turnover. But uh, then I was also looking for you know, some research. They were talking about like millennials, they tend to be like like leaving jobs quite quick and I I was wondering like how companies they are preparing for this because more millennials are going to be in the workplace so and if they have this if we have this reputation because I'm a millennial too that we're leaving jobs quite quick like how companies are improving and how they can use analytics or any other like strategies to keep uh, millennials more in the workplace Yeah, it's um, it's just one of those things. Um, I think um, you know we're seeing um, you know a lot more companies showing interest now on how to improve employee well-being, engagement, experience. So I think it's going in the right direction. Um, I do think uh, there potentially needs to be something uh, better than just an engagement survey every year, because sometimes. You know, that's about as much engagement a workforce gets, you know, which is, um, you know, not, not uh, great. <laughs> it's not very engaging. So um, there's been various research out there um, uh, showing what a high-performing team is, that they are engaged, um, and what engagement can do uh, for uh, businesses. And, you know, it can affect... Uh, on the bottom line and it can increase profits um, all these intangible assets increase profits so the role of the HR business partner and the people analytics um, consultant or you know the person that has to do both um, is to show the business what value value these interventions uh, can make and to show the business that um, you know uh, this um, these numbers mean something, and um, it, you'll increase your profits doing so. But you know it's easier said than done. Uh, this is why you know key um, sort of skills, competencies for the future for HR is um, definitely um, influencing skills uh, to influence the business into making um, informed decision making um, and change. Uh, managing change, so managing those interventions and um, managing that change, implementing that change, and uh, making sure um, we add value to the business and um, they um, have a full understanding of um, the um, value that people analytics can make and HR data and HR in general. Um, I think we're in a good position now for the future to really show what HR can do and what value we can create. Definitely. I mean, you gave so many like, valuable insights about this subject and how uh, someone like, can enter the, uh, a career in uh, HR. So you you told like, how your story, how you started and then how you developed and uh, what will be the future for HR and uh, been really great to, to to discuss with you 
Yeah, um, no worries. I mean, uh, I just want to quickly summarise how someone can get into HR by just a few points. Okay, great. I've gone through my own story. So, uh, find a mentor. For example, um, I reached out to um, a well-established people analytics consultant um, and he's decided that, you know, he's going to have a meeting with me uh, next week to talk about getting into people analytics. You know, use LinkedIn. Get a LinkedIn profile, add someone that's in the field you want to go into, message them, and some people will help you. Um, research what's on the internet as well. So research is a you know, key thing. You know, people have their stories um, all over the internet, all over YouTube. So we've got mentor, research, and you know, back on the mentor part, uh, the CIPD, um, they have a mentoring scheme. So if you want to go into um, HR, just Google CIPD mentoring scheme and it'll come up and just apply, you know. Um, they do some great work there. Um, yeah, and education. Um, so try and get educated on the subject, whether that be, you know, doing a qualification or doing e-learning or getting a certification or going to university. Try and, try and understand the theory behind what you're uh, trying to get into and what you're trying to do. I'd say four, don't give up, you know, um, keep the momentum up, um, you know, keep banging on those doors until someone lets you in, because someone will eventually let you in, because um, that happened for me. Um, it, it, it was tough, but I kept at it, and eventually I got into HR, and I think that's the same for any sort of sector you want to go into. And I guess... Um, the last point is, um, you know, um, with um, getting into um, a new field, network. Uh, so network with, um, you know, different industry bodies like CIPD, go to branch network events, uh, network with people over LinkedIn, um, you know, really use LinkedIn, that's a good tool, and join different groups. Um, networking groups in LinkedIn, you know, I'm in loads of different HR groups, you know, um, even, you can even use Facebook, Twitter, um, I think Instagram is a, a new one that HR professionals are using, but I don't think it's gotten as much traction. So, go on to webinars too, you know, go on to webinars, network with people and people will add you on LinkedIn. So, those are my tips really, I just wanted to summarise that through. Yeah, those are great advice. And uh, I think it's important as they learn, then they can share as well online and what they learn. And then they're like, kind of building like their personal brand in there and they're attracting more people to discuss. And they show their passion for this uh, area. And then they'll be more likely to, to find jobs or to keep like networking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. It's been such a great evening and a great discussion with you. So I thank you all for for listening and I thank you very much to you too for taking time. Thank you very much, Simone. It was nice to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Take care.